Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. This week, we are going to be joined by a special guest mom who is going to share with us some strategies so that we can teach our kids about kindness and empathy and compassion and to use these as a foundation for their anti-bias learning conversations that we all should be having in our homes, right, Tara? That's right. And you and I have this conversation pretty regularly. I feel like this whole podcast was sort of born out of how we use empathy to better understand each other and find the similarities. Yeah, so I'm excited to welcome another mom to the conversation. It's been just you and me for a minute, Tara. We have not had a guest in a while. I know. And some of our listeners were probably wondering if we were ever going to (laughs) bring someone back on. Yeah, it's been a wild summer. So we were just kind of off the cuff with the two of us for the last few weeks, for sure. But now we have a whole bunch of guests that are lined up to join us for the next several episodes in several months. Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking forward to expanding our family and having more voices join our conversations. One of my favorite parts of this is meeting new people and hearing new experiences and and having people come in and help us when we need some help on these strategies. We need help all the time. (laughs) For sure. You know, I was talking to um, a friend of mine the other day and I shared with him that I co-host a parenting podcast with this amazing woman. Her name is Tara. And I was going on and on about you. And then this man stopped me and he said, wait a second, you co-host a parenting podcast. (laughs) And I paused and I said, I sense there's judgment in you. And he said, there are things that you do really, really well. He's like, I just never took you as someone who would be like giving advice on parenting. I said, neither did I. (laughs) Neither did I. I said, but that's why I co-host with Tara because she slays the game. The parenting thing is all you. (laughs) No, no, no. That is not, that is hilarious though. I don't think anybody would have tapped me for a parenting podcaster either. (laughs) We're both just doing the best we can, guys. We are hashtag always doing the best we can. So as we get ready to bring this new voice to our conversation, she knows what she's doing because she is a mom of four kids. That's correct. And she started her own business helping other parents. So clearly we've brought in the big guns. Tell us a little bit more about our guest mom, Nadine, Tara. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. So Nadine Fonseca is joining us, and she is the co-founder and CEO of Mighty Kind. And that is an anti-bias education company. Like we mentioned, she's a mother of four, and she was looking for resources to help share diverse experiences with her kids. And in that pursuit, she was realizing, you know, other parents were looking for the same sort of thing. So she got together with the team that she put together and started Mighty Kind. They put out a quarterly publication of illustrated stories, activities, and volunteer opportunities. And as we mentioned earlier, it's really to help kids sort of dig into their capacity for empathy and love. She is a self-proclaimed type A entrepreneur. She's a hair color chameleon, a witty banter enthusiast, and a fiercely sarcastic Latina. So Nadine, welcome to the conversation. Nadine, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Mighty Kind? We're very excited to talk about this. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Mighty Kind was kind of born out of some organic need that I didn't know I had. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area with lots of diversity, just lots of opportunity to engage with different people from all walks of life. And when we picked up and moved to um, a place out of state, it was far more homogenous than we had ever been able to plan for and realized that our kids needed more opportunities to engage in conversation around 
diversity and inclusion and our innate biases and stereotypes and all of those kinds of things that are just kind of ingrained in us, whether we mean for them to be or not. And we just wanted to be more intentional parents. And so I kind of created Mighty Kind out of some homeschool curriculum that I curated and created and found that if we are not purposeful and intentional around these conversations, we can't always rely on organic situations, right, to create those learning opportunities for us as parents or caregivers or even kids. So Mighty Kind was born out of that need and the hope that I wasn't the only one who cared about these things and the only (laughs) one who is in that predicament, right, where we're in a homogenous space that maybe doesn't lend itself to those organic interactions with a diverse community surrounding us. Yeah. And let's go back. You said that you were from the Bay Area. And so I am too. I'm Kanji. I'm a black girl from the Bay. Um, (laughs) Hey, hey. born and raised in San Jose before it was the Silicon Valley, right? Yes. So you raised a very interesting point. When we are raised around diversity, like both of us were, you know, it's kind of a given, right? And so the question is, for a lot of parents in a lot of places now, there is such self-segregation among communities. So how is it that we can kind of be purposeful on getting our kids together and teaching them kind of how we just grew up, right, Nadine? Right. You know, it's definitely something you take for granted, right? You don't know you have it till it's gone. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is is about the representation that we bring into our homes or for educators into our classrooms. So what are the characters that our kids see reflected in their books, right? On the bookshelf? What podcasts are they hearing in the car as we drive? What media is on their screens? And just making sure they have some diverse representations, even if it's not, you know, a physical living, breathing person, although that would be ideal, that there are still other ways to get voices to be part of the narratives that we create in our in our mind and especially in our kids as they develop. Did you find it difficult when you were digging into this in your new area? Did you find it difficult to find those kind of resources? I did. I did. And and what was really most difficult is not that they didn't exist. I don't think any particular area, and and obviously I could be wrong, I haven't been everywhere in the world, (laughs) but I don't think any particular area is so homogenous that there is no diversity, right? There is less and there is more. But if you're really seeking these things out and different communities and perspectives and all those, they really do exist. And it just takes the legwork and the open-mindedness to find them. So where they are hard to access is really not so much that they don't exist, but that it comes with time privilege that we're able to find them. Mm. Um, So I was fortunate to be in a position where, you know, my husband was a student. We were living on those lovely student loans at the time, right? And I was pregnant and had young kids. I was a stay-at-home mom working a little side hustle, whatever. But I did, even in those struggles, I did have time privilege to be able to seek out, you know, where are the cultural festivals that were happening within, you know, a 50 mile radius? Where were the books at the library? And if they weren't there, could I get an interlibrary loan? Where were foods and and restaurants, right, that represented diverse cultures from around the world, even if they weren't right there in our neighborhood? So it took legwork, right? Like it took time. And I think that's one of the things that really motivated me in starting Mighty Kind is that time privilege is not something that most people have. And so how can we bundle this in a way where it is grab and go, where people can invest their time in the things that are going to be most productive with their kids? And it's not going to be Googling, right? It's not not going to be hoofing it on foot trying to find these things. So my hope is that in curating and creating these things in a nice package bundle, that time privilege dissipates a bit. 
Time privilege. I like that. That's a new one for me. (laughs) So you have created and curated this publication, the quarterly publication. Tell us a little bit about the sourcing for the resources that you provide and how these resources could be beneficial to all parents. I'm so glad you asked that. We are so intentional and sometimes to our detriment, right? (laughs) Where we're over, overworking in making sure that we're sourcing these things from all over. But we have an amazing and incredible volunteer staff that's all moms and a fantastic high school intern. But they're all volunteers. They're all moms who feel like this is where they want to spend their time privilege, right? This is where they want to invest their skills and their education. So they're writers and they're designers and illustrators and such. But as far as the actual content goes, we really want to make sure that if Mighty Kind is nothing else, that it is a platform for diverse perspectives, that we are amplifying diverse perspectives. So we source from all over the place. We have illustrators from around the world. Each issue, we kind of zoom into a particular destination or culture, if you will. And we want to make sure that those voices are coming from people who identify with that culture, being being raised there, being born there, or having really tight connections to that culture so that we're not regurgitating or synthesizing or putting our lenses on someone else's culture. So we try really hard to source from all over the world. And sometimes that's educators, sometimes that's people with expert lived experience beyond a degree or a lane of study. And sometimes it's just making sure that even when something isn't necessarily tied to a culture or marginalized community, that we still have diverse perspectives. So the goal of Bidey Kind as a publication is to bring, you know, the DEI for kids, right? Mm -hmm. So the diversity, the equity, the inclusion. We look at anti-bias education from a foundation of compassion and kindness because that's universal or at least it should be right that's a train we should all be able to get on Mm -hmm. um, comfortably and ride to the very end and so it's this ride that we want to take people on that allows them to see dei in actuality right like this is the world as it currently is we're not putting valuations on things we're not making judgment calls we're saying this is the world you live in And the more you learn about it, the more you're exposed to things that are different, the less scary it needs to feel, the less you need to rely on those gut biases that are just uninformed. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really the goal is to show the intersectionality of the world as it has beautifully laid out so far. I love that so much. And I love that you touched on what you guys preach, which is that kindness and compassion are sort of the basis for this anti-bias learning. Can you mm-hmm. tell me why why that started out as the root for you guys? I mean, how did that come about? I love your theory on this. The main reason behind that was everything that we're seeing laid out over the last couple of years. And now, you know, Mighty Kind has been around for almost three years now. But especially with the events that transpired last year in the United States with the death of George Floyd and a number of protests and violence and all of those things, we noticed very, very clearly that conversations around diversity are polarizing. And it just shouldn't be that way. There's nothing innately good or bad or polarizing around diversity, right? Like it's, it's literally just a plethora of versions of people, right? Like this is yeah. this is not some weird thing that needs to separate us. And yet that's, that's what the climate is in our current state. And we would be remiss not to recognize that for what it is, because this is the world we live in. And so the premise of kindness and compassion is what can unify us in this conversation? What is it that we can all get on board with? What is it at our very root, if our true belief is that all people are born good, and I hope that that's, you know, we still have that hope and that belief as as humanity, right, collectively, is that if all people are born good, then 
connectedly, all people should be able to see good in others. Yeah. And so what, what our hope is, is with Mighty Kind is that we can illustrate that. We can display that in stories, in comics, in words, in illustrations, right? And just bring the good, the humanity back into the conversation because kindness and compassion can, should, and ought to be universal, just basically. So well said. I don't know if you know this, Nadine, but Tara and I are volunteer leaders for an anti-racism advocacy and awareness nonprofit. And we started the nonprofit shortly after the murder of George Floyd. And the premise of this podcast was born from that nonprofit and the work we were doing because Tara is the mom of a white adolescent son and I'm the mom of a black adolescent son. And we just know that our motherhood journey is going to be a little different because of who we're parenting, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we've seen and we've heard and we know what you said to be true, that these are conversations that are charged and they are loaded and they really accompany people's big feelings. And unfortunately, some of these conversations have been politicized in a way that they should not have been. But I really wanted you to touch base and let some of our listeners know, like, what is the difference between anti-racism and anti-bias? Can you just share with us the distinction there? Yeah. The distinction with anti-bias work versus anti-racist work is really that anti-bias encompasses more than just anti-racist work. So I do think that there needs to be an immense amount of advocacy in anti-racism work. And I don't know that there is something more important because the stakes are just so high with the violence that we see around racism. With anti-bias work, it just encompasses other marginalized communities looking beyond or aside from race. So that might include the disability community. That might include the LGBT community. So bias really, like I mentioned before, with the intersectionality of the world, even though someone may be in a quote unquote minority, right? A, a historically minoritized group based on their ethnicity or their culture. They may also be gay or lesbian. They may also be an immigrant. They may also have a disability. And so in what we are trying to portray as kind of placing the world on this platter, right? This buffet of opportunity to, to participate in compassion, we really wanted to focus on all of the opportunities for advocacy, all of the opportunities for allyship, so that kids can recognize those opportunities at a young age of like, yes, this kid has different skin for me. And that's a very visual opportunity to connect with someone who may be different from yourself. But there are also disabilities you may not be able to see. You can't tell right on site whether someone is gay or straight, right? And so we want to be able to present all of these different facets of our human identities around the world so kids can see there's lots of ways that we can be allies and that others can see us for who we are intersectionally, right? Multifaceted human beings and be allies to us as well, regardless of what makes up that identity. That's amazing. That's very well said. I am curious about one thing. So you said that Mighty Kindness is about three years old. You've been putting out this publication for a few years. And we all know mm -hmm. that last year sort of spun a lot of businesses on their head. Yes. How are you guys pivoting or who is the audience for Mighty Kind? Are you getting it into schools? Or are you looking to get it into homes individually? Like when you guys are out there talking to people about how to get this in front of kids, who are you talking to? I love how you say out there talking to people. And I'm like, shut, <laughs> shut it my home for 18 months. Yeah. But I hear you. It's like, who is out uh, there? Like, quote, unquote, right. out there. <laughs> right, exactly. Unless you feel in here. Right. Um, 
the goal of the readership is broad, is really, really broad. The publication itself is written as a quarterly series because we hope that that mimics an ongoing conversation, right? These milestone touch points to continue these conversations. So it's not a book so that it's one and done, right? We really wanted to have that model continual opportunity. As far as the readership demographic, we write for about a fourth grade level, but the content is developed for kids ages, you know, about four, five to 11, 12. So those elementary school ages, right? Some real fundamentals there. We do have a grown up section in the back because we realize that parents and caregivers and educators, they may be new on this anti-bias journey. They may be recently invested, right? And recently called to lean into this work. And we don't want them to feel like they're left high and dry and not able to feel equipped to handle the conversations that come, right? Like after we, after a child reads a, a particular editorial piece or, or engages with a story or an interactive activity or what have you. And so really, we pray that it's for everyone. And I know that that's very cliche, um, <laughs> and I don't intend to be cliche, but that's the feedback that we've gotten is that older kids are learning new things. Adults are learning perspectives that have never been brought to the forefront before. We have this great article in our Olympics issue that released earlier this summer, and it's by a wonderful athlete who is an outdoors advocate, and he happens to be part of the disability community. He has one leg that's his disability. And he comes in and writes an article in our grown up section all about how to talk to kids when they encounter someone who has a disability in a public space. Because that is that's gut wrenching for parents who've never encountered that before. Yes. Do we shush them? Is this shameful? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I, you know, do I am I vocal and praising? Is that over the top? You know, all of these things. And so he comes in and has this great, you know, lesson for us in this lived experience that he has, where he's like, you know what, this is part of who I am. Let them ask. Let them normalize. Let's remove the stigma, the shame. Like I am a human and I deserve conversation like anybody else. <laughs> and, and and it's a great opener because it's like, hey, man, what happened to your leg, right? <laughs> and I know if, if my child asked that, I'd blush immediately and mortified. But the but even I have learned in, in all the amazing people that we've worked with, with these diverse voices and perspectives and lived experience, is like, I have a lot to learn, right? Like now I know how to better handle those situations. So to your question, we have been very fortunate in that we have seen more people called in to do anti-bias work who are ready to engage. And so since the murder of George Floyd, you know, we are sad to see so many businesses struggle, especially disproportionately BIPOC businesses. But we have been blessed and fortunate that people feel called to do something more. And maybe they're not ready to, to raise a sign in protest. Maybe they're not in a financial situation to donate, but this is work that they can do. This is tangible. And this is a step in their journey that they can make alongside their children. And so the hope is that the readership is global and indiscriminate, right? So that everyone can feel engaged wherever they are on their journey here. Well, just a quick side note. So I asked you that question, but I actually have read your last couple of issues. And I read that article mm -hmm. in the Olympics issue. I loved it. I thought it was so well written and such a great tool for parents. I just want to say as a fangirl note that I think your publication is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it. I love that. I will pass that on to Vasu. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Nadine, that is the highest compliment possible. <laughs> so one of the oh, things, <laughs> one of the things that happens with my dear friend Tara is she fangirls over a lot of people. And 
the fact that she's fangirling over you and Mighty Kind puts you in rare company with Zach Efron. Oh my gosh, she always has to bring <laughs> Zach Efron into this. It was one show. <laughs> it was not one show. Nadine, let me ask you, are you a Zach Efron fan? I think he does some fun work. Yeah, I, I like his movies. He does a good job. He's a good singer and dancer. Well, I also hear that you're a great singer. Is it true that you sang the national anthem at a ballpark? I did. Yes, I did. So t- <laughs> I was young. <laughs> oh, young, young at heart. It's the same thing. So tell us a little bit about that experience. And do you still sing now? Oh, man, that was that was a curveball. <laughs> I wasn't planning on that story. <laughs> yeah, I was I was, you know, really fortunate to have parents that encouraged, you know, my musical exploration at a young age. I started singing when I was four, performing when I was four. And then I got into musical theater, probably late in elementary school and and then did, you know, improv and all of those things. And I will say, my mom really tried hard to get me in piano lessons. And we had a saint of a teacher who volunteered her time to teach piano lessons to, to those who couldn't afford it otherwise. Mm-hmm. But I was a rebellious, nonconformist <laughs> individual who was not going to be told what instrument I was going to learn. And so I, I really resisted it until I found that piano was not my thing, but I wanted to conduct and I wanted to sing. And then it all took off from there. I think I was probably about 13, 14 years old. And I got to sing the national anthem for the San Francisco Giants. Wow. That's a huge venue. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And and yeah, you, you, there's there's no way to get used to that echo that reverberates 30 seconds later, but you plug your ear and you power through and hope <laughs> for the best. And <laughs> it was fun. It was a great experience. And it, it was it was definitely a learning experience as to the resilience of, of childhood, right? Like the, yeah. the ability to be naive and unaware of, of things around you in order to power through. And, and it actually is kind of a life lesson for me moving forward is like, you know what, sometimes you've got to block out the noise. Sometimes there are things that you set your heart on to accomplish. And no matter what the echoes around you are, you just got to have that laser focus and power through because you know, the finish line is worth it. That was definitely a fun, fun moment in my childhood. Yeah. And at an early age, you learn how to use the power of your voice. And I am just so honored. And it's been great to know that you're still using that voice to empower so many parents and children and educators and communities to be better, to do better. And that, it just warms my heart to hear that. So thank you so much for telling oh, us. Thank you. Yeah, no, no. I so love that. yeah, did any of your kids inherit your, your love of music? Yes, much to my chagrin. <laughs> 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 no, my kids are awesome. They really are. And there's such chance, especially over this last year. Yeah, I have I have one daughter that never stops singing. I have one who drums on everything. I have a son who constantly whistles, even though there's not an actual tune behind that whistle. <laughs> and then I have another one who wants to beatbox and he's five. So most of that's just, you know, spit coming out of his mouth with weird noises. But by golly, we're going to find some YouTube videos so he'll learn to beatbox. So slowly I love that. all come into their own. <laughs> yes. Introduce him to uh, Biz Marquee and introduce him to the Fat Boys. That's and- right. I was thinking yep. of the Fat Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. For sure. If I had a TikTok account, I would like see him up there and like follow him. Do you follow people on TikTok? I don't know how that works. I don't know how TikTok works. Oh. Yeah. I think you can. I think we just aged like ourselves. It shows up in your feed. <laughs> <laughs> we have both held fast against that one. <laughs> We're uh, like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So Nadine, <clears throat> if anyone wants to learn more about Mighty Kind, can you share with our audience and our listeners a little bit more how they can get involved with Mighty Kind and how they can get a copy of the most recent publication? 
Yeah, our most recent publication is our release all about inventions, which is really fun because we look at innovation for the sake of compassion. What have people innovated and designed and created to help others? So that's a lot of fun. We've even looked at like the history of prosthetics, which is really cool. That issue is is out now and our upcoming issue, which this is a fun pre-release announcement, is going to be all about music around oh. the world. And we're really excited to dive into all the different opportunities that that music holds. So I guess it is apt that we talk about my, my singing expose <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, you can find Mighty Kind on social media across all the social media platforms. Our handle is at Mighty Kind Kids, plural. And our website is MightyKindKids.com. And I would just say, you know, whether you find Mighty Kind to be helpful to you or not, I really just want to encourage parents and caregivers and educators to find something. We don't need to be the end all be all. Of course, we wish we were in everyone's, you know, home and classroom and what have you. But if we're not your cup of tea for whatever reason, don't give up, you know, find the resources that work for you. If those are podcasts or videos or, you know, kids lit or, you know, whatever it may be, TED Talks, but just stick with it. Stay in the journey of anti-bias work wherever you've started. A step forward is a step in the right direction. So hopefully we do something good for you. But if we don't, don't give up. Keep moving forward. Well, I can't think of any better way to end that. That was amazing, Nadine. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Oh, thank you for sharing your story and for telling us a little bit more about Mighty Kind. Well, I'm curious. So I shared with you that I'm from San Jose. What city in the Bay Area are you from? So I was born and raised in San Mateo. Okay. But once I grew up and learned better, I moved to Oakland <laughs> and I forever will claim Oakland as home. <laughs> I see you. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. I'm fortunate now. We also, Tara and I live in North Texas, just outside of the Dallas area, but I'm fortunate with my job. Once COVID lifts the restrictions, I'll be traveling back. So my, the company where I work for is based out of the Bay Area. Oh, okay. So I get a chance to head back home. Nice. Yeah, maybe I'll go to a San Francisco Giants game and think fondly of Nadine <laughs> there you go. singing it <laughs> when I hit out there. I had to be careful being in Oakland as a Giants fan because I know they love their maze, but <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's all right. So true. So true. Well, Nadine, thank you so much again for sharing of your time and of your voice, of your story and your spirit with us. And thank you for all of the work you're doing in this space. We're humbled by your, your willingness to share. And, and thank you so much for sharing with us and our podcast family. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be engaged in this work. I really enjoyed getting to know Nadine a little better and hearing her message. Uh, you know, it felt so much like a kindred spirit for the work that I feel like you and I are doing often. Yes. And she was talking a lot about how we can do this work with a compassionate lens mm -hmm. and how we do it by just encouraging people to understand that if we're not intentional about how and what we teach our kids, then we are going to potentially continue patterns. Right. And if we keep doing what we've always done. We won't get what we always got. Right. And where that's, <laughs> how did I know the end of that I know. statement? <laughs> you, can, you can just complete my sentences. But where that's gotten us to in 2021 yeah. is a place of brokenness, right? Yes. We're still such a divided country. We still have so much inequality that's going on. And the only way for us to make advancements and make improvements is to acknowledge and realize that where we are is not where we should or where we want to be and intentionally work towards getting there. Agreed. Yeah. And to her point, I did read that article and that issue of Mighty Kind and 
I think you and I have talked about this before. Her conversation about anti-bias is something that I feel like I'm pretty far along in my anti-racism journey most of the time. But when we get to anti-bias, I find myself in areas where I'm like, you know what? I'm not as far along in this area as I thought. You know, we've talked about specifically with disabilities. Sometimes I'm not sure how to address or what's appropriate, you know, so I'm still finding myself navigating that. And and that article about um, the athlete who only had one leg, I loved it. I thought it was so great and, and easy to follow, you know, how to help my kid through those conversations. Have you taken the implicit bias test that is sponsored by Harvard University and Project Implicit? You have asked me to take that test before, and I don't think that I have taken it. So what I'm going to do, <laughs> what we will do is include a link to the test yes. in our show notes. But the test, there are 14 different types of questions that are asked mm-hmm. to uncover and discover and assess each person's implicit or unconscious bias as it relates to certain identities. Mm-hmm. And I did it with um, young versus old. Okay. And I realized that I have an implicit preference for young people. Really? I know, which is very troubling because I'm old people. (laughs) Maybe you don't realize you're old people. (laughs) I really don't realize I'm old people until I start doing references. And I realized all of my references are 35 years old. That is a problem we have. Yeah. In last week's episode, when we were talking about some movies that we enjoyed, Growing up, we realized those movies were 40 years old. Yes, they were. Go listen to that episode and hear how old Kanji and I are because we could not come up with a movie made in the last 10 years. You can catch it on any of the podcast platforms. Make sure you're following us on this platform so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you like that one, make sure to give us a rate and review. We love hearing from you. We loved expanding our family once again with another voice, another mother, a warrior mother who found a need to improve an area of her kid's life and did it. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, she has empowered and improved the lives of so many other children in this country. And again, I'm just so grateful to have had the opportunity to chat with and get to know Nadine. Same. I feel exactly the same. So with that being said, podcast family, we hope that you will support Mighty Kind and to encourage your children to always be lifelong learners. Guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual, and we will see you back next week, podcast family. Same time, same place. Take good care. I don't know if you know this, Nadine, but Tara and I are volunteer um, leaders for an anti-racism advocacy and awareness nonprofit. And the premise of this podcast, it came about because of the work that we were doing there. You know, Tara is a mom to a white adolescent child male and oh sorry joe that's my work computer <laughs> telling me that i'm about to get off one sorry second, one day second Nadine. Sorry. I forget. You're fine. You're fine. So, no so we were jamming out to full force right before <laughs> you came on and i forgot to lower the volume on my computer true story true story true story we were we were talking about house party the movies anyway so let me go back <clears throat> starting over sorry <laughs> my husband's looking at me he's gonna kill me um